Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Killer ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Pizza Oven on the Kima Boardwalk. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. Joe George is here. Our on-site engineer, Brian McDonald, BMAC behind the glass at Gal Media. We are live from the Kima Boardwalk. We are right on the water inside a Galaxy Adventure. We're happy to be on the air with you, and we're happy that you are joining us today. You know what we have today, Blankers? We have, we have real baseball. We have we actual baseball games. It feels like forever since we've had a real baseball game, and tonight, real baseball, Astros taking on Shohei Otani. It's like challenge week with absolute real-life challenges and real-life problems that everybody was dealing with together. Like, what do you do with your lives for, like, two or three days while you have to sort your way through no baseball games, Summer League basketball, if you have to stomach that, or the ESPYs. But did really, you watch any Summer League yesterday? I did not. I, I understand the Rockets are 4-0. I know that Cam Whitmore played well. Summer League dynasty. Okay. Uh, I don't even know because Randy McAvoy was positioning it like they're done now, but I don't think that the league says they're done because they like the playoffs. They have a final, right? Yeah, they have like a playoff they, they over a the semi. weekend that goes into, I thought that yesterday I think, was a Monday. I don't even think it's that because I looked at the schedule this morning and it, it was like, okay, there's still t- today and tomorrow to be played, and then they're going to seed for the playoffs. Well, I thought yesterday was a semifinal. I watched like five minutes of it. Uh, Did you? Yeah. I can't, it's hard now with no Amin, no Jabari. I know Cam Whitmore had a good game, but that's cool. But it's Summer League. Uh, Astros, Angels kick off a three-game series today. The question we have for you, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. What has to go right post-All-Star break for the Astros to hit their ceiling but I'm not going to let you say staying healthy. What okay, do they have to do to hit their ceiling? We can't use the stay healthy answer. They have to field, hit, pitch. <laughs> okay, one, Soto. Okay. Um, I think health obviously is a, is a big issue in this, but I think, that just, I think they have to live up to their own expectations and the expectations that others have based on who they've been over this last six, seven years. They have to get guys like Alex Bregman to more consistently hit the way he's capable of hitting. I'm not even asking for the power numbers. I'm not even asking for anything way too outrageous other than be the kind of hitter you've always been with command of the zone and, and, and hit for a better average. I, you need to have you know a Jordan Alvarez that he doesn't have to absolutely become Aaron Judge again, but he has to fit right into this lineup to give you more power and pop on a consistent basis. Fromber is great. Javier has to get back to who he was since he's been an Astro, and you know, if you want to be more specific, what he did last season. And then you have to have some of the younger guys step up. Hunter Brown's got to figure it out. He's got to right the ship. You know, J.P. France, can he continue to be more good than bad and, and get it even closer to where you need for a four-starter? And then Urquidy has to contribute in some way, shape, or form. All the pieces are there. All the possibilities are endless. 
they just have to start living up to their own expectations and the expectations of others by playing better baseball. I think there's quite a bit that has to happen for the Astros to kind of to hit their ceiling. Like offensively, like one of the answers to I think is going to be make a trade. Like let, let's eliminate that for a moment. Offensively, I think that they might have enough. Like if Corey Jolks can continue playing at the pace that he's been playing on, like you got some answers in left field. You know, Jake Myers' defense in center field is an option there. If the Astros want to get creative and use Jordan Alvarez in left field a little bit and allow Yiner Diaz to, to be the DH, I think your offense gets a little better, a little deeper there. Look, Jose Altuve and Alvarez have played in 13 games together. We have no idea how good the Astros' offense is capable of being because their two best players have only played 13 games together uh, all season long. I think you might even say to reach their ceiling, you might have to demote Martin Maldonado. Like, if you're talking about reaching your ceiling as a team and as an offense, I don't think you drop off that much defensively, if anything at all. In fact, it might be a drop-off defensively with Martin Maldonado, and adding Yiners Diaz's bat behind the dish is going to help your offense tremendously. And then on the pitching side of things, like, the bullpen's been fine. You know, the bullpen continuing to, you know, pitch the way they've been pitching. But in terms of the rotation, like you mentioned, Jose Arquiti has to, to take a role with this team. It doesn't even have to be like a top three starting pitcher in this rotation. He has to be a prominent factor uh, in the rotation. Hunter Brown has to pitch closer to his potential than the inconsistencies we've seen lately. J.P. France has to continue to impress as a rookie. And then also, you, you know, you, you, you probably need to get Christian Javier to be closer to a number two as opposed to somebody that you can't throw out there because he's been pitching so poorly. Well, and look, the other thing that I was looking at this, thinking about it uh, this morning was, it's a Dana Brown and Dusty Baker type conversation where you've got to get to the brass tacks of, do you want to improve the offense to where you can put up enough runs that your pitching just has to keep you in ball games and your offense is capable of winning games by themselves? Or do you want to continue to deal with an offense that has been subpar, but a defense and a pitching staff that has kept you afloat and try to win ball games that way. If you're trying to win ball games that way, then you believe that Dusty's trying to win the argument with Dana and he's going to try and play Maldi more. If you're going to tr- just try and put the best offensive lineup you can out there every single night, well, then Chaz has to be in it. Like you mentioned, Jolks has to be a part of it. And then you have to find a way to put Yiner out there uh, along with Jordan in the lineup, no matter where they play, every single night, along with the guys like Altuve coming back, Bregman hopefully continuing to, to try and figure it all out, Abreu doing the same. That's a, that's a team that, if again, if they're clicking on all cylinders, that's a team offensively that's capable of competing with any team in baseball. But choices have to be made from management through the coaching to what you put on the field every night. I would, I would, we're not going to see this because Jordan's not back yet. I would love it whenever Jordan comes back, I hope, next week against Colorado, that they make a switch at catcher. That, that Jordan or that uh, Yiner Diaz is now your primary catcher. If that means he's starting three of five games, if it means he's starting four of five games, I don't, it doesn't matter. As long as he's starting more games behind the dish than Martin Maldonado, I, I think for this team to reach its potential, to reach its ceiling, I think Yiner Diaz has to be the primary catcher for this Astros team. I think team. you're right. You alter the ratio. Instead of you know 70-30 or 60-40 in favor of Maldi, you flip the script and you say Yiner's going to get three of the five guys, you're going to get the other two, Maldi, but I need you engaged. I need you to help him through his trials and tribulations, and we're going to see how this goes, and we're going to play it by ear as we go forward, but we know at least for the short term you're still two back of the Rangers. You've got a chance here to make up some ground and play some teams and do some things that you should be weighted in your favor. Let's go to bat with the best lineup we can for the time being, 
and then we'll adjust if we have to. But I think we all know by now, and we've got enough of a sample size to realize, it's not just about Yiner's ability to hit the baseball. It's about the fact that he can throw runners out. He's a better defensive catcher because of effort and, uh, if nothing else, alone. And that if he can kind of learn more from Maldi on the prep stuff, there's no reason to believe he can't do this. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, like, the starters with Yiner have been fine. It's kind of the relievers in the back end, the high-leverage guys that have been better off with Maldonado. Uh, Joe mentioned this yesterday. Like, make Martin Maldonado your late-inning defensive substitute if you're that worried about, you know, his his ability to call pitches for the for the relievers and the, you know, the leverage guys in the back end of your pen. Because, look, we, we talk about this a lot because we this is trade season, the trade deadline August 1st, a couple weeks away, and we'll have Tim Kirchin on with us a little bit later uh, to, to kind of pick his Tim brain Kirchin, on the whole trade. Tim Kirchin. Saying his last name's like Charles Barkley's golf swing. But um, <laughs> the... Think about an offense that has Yiner Diaz behind the plate and at full health, even if you don't make a trade. You go around the horn, you have Yiner behind the dish, you have Abreu at first, Altuve at second, Pena at short, Bregman at third, Jolks in left because I want Jordan to be my DH, Chaz in center field, Kyle Tucker in right field. That's better than the 13th offense in Major League Baseball. That's one of the best offenses. That's one of the better offensive lineups. I won't say the best right off the jump, but it has the capability of being one of the best offensive lineups in baseball, top to bottom. I mean, when you've got Chaz in center instead of Jake, who's so hot and cold and, and just doesn't seem to be a consistent hitter, when, when you've got a guy like Yiner in the lineup and, and you've got a guy like Jelks that's been hot, that also doesn't hurt you defensively with the way he's learned to play left field on the major league level, I, I think that team gives you the best chance to win. And because you got off to, as much as you kind of treaded water and survived to keep it close, you got off to a very slow start and had a really rough first half. There's nothing to say that with that lineup out there and everybody kind of clicking that you can't make up all the the ground that you maybe gave up in the first half and be the dominant team that we all expect them to be. That's also just like your base lineup. Like if you want, like Dusty can have options there where, okay, you have a fly ball pitcher on the mound, Christian Javier's on the mound, maybe you go with a defensive outfield. Maybe you go with Jake Myers in center and then Chaz McCormick in left. Now Jolks is your primary left fielder, but whenever – Christian Javier, a fly ball pitcher is on the mound, then you get your best def- your best defensive outfielder out there. It gives you options. Like Martin Maldonado, even though we want Yonder Diaz to be the primary catcher of this team, uh, Martin Maldonado is still going to catch Fromber Valdez, Valdez yep. which I think we would all understand. We would all say that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't even mind if, if Martin Maldonado is coming into the game in the eighth inning to work with Brian Abreu, like Brian Abreu seems to like to pitch to Martin Maldonado. So, I think Dusty still has options that way. That's a lineup that's still pretty good, even if you don't make a trade. Now, you could probably upgrade in an outfield spot. You get a lefty option, give Dusty a little bit more options. That, that certainly makes sense. But to me, you gotta, like you said, you, you got to answer some tough questions of where this team is at. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. What has to go right now that we're after the All-Star break, now that we have real baseball today, for the Astros to hit that ceiling. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Killer Bees broadcasting live from the Kima Boardwalk on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Killer Bees broadcasting live from the Kima Boardwalk. Great spot to ditch work a little bit early on a Friday. Come hang out here. Uh, got amusements, got some rides, great dinner spots, great drink spots. We're inside of an arcade right now, right next to the pizza oven. So this is a good spot. I can't make it out today. Good weekend spot, good summer spot. 
uh, make sure you come out to Kima Boardwalk at some point this summer, if it's not today, if it's not this weekend. Uh, we're asking you the question, 713-780-3776, for the Astros to hit their potential, what has to happen in the second half? You can't say health. Uh, in the, uh, the Twitch channel, uh, Versace, he says, seems like a duh answer to put Diaz instead of Machete, so why can't Dusty see it? Dusty's old school, Dusty's loyal, Dusty believes in the hidden intangibles that Martin Maldonado has and Yiner Diaz doesn't. He's just very hesitant to play a rookie catcher behind the dish over a veteran that he thinks everybody loves to pitch to. Anything, I mean, anything more than that? I think that's pretty I think much it. it up. Yeah, I mean, that, that is exactly what it is, and it's not going to change. I mean, I don't think if Dusty has his way, I don't think he's not, he's not going to change his ways now. Yeah. Two four uh, seven says he says bunch of homer hats out are already today. Why is Maldonado Why is the problem? <laughs> I don't know. People call us homers. People call us racists. It's just the way it is. Uh, he, he says, "Why is Maldonado always the problem?" The Astros' offense is behind the Astros' pitching. The Astros' pitching after the All Star break, second best in all of baseball, first in the American League. The offense is thirteenth in all of baseball, slightly above average. The worst offensive player that is a regular for the Houston Astros is Martin Maldonado. Sub-200 uh, batting average under the Mendoza line. A lot of people point to the defense, and right now the defensive metrics hate Martin Maldonado. Like the defensive metrics, the computer numbers, they say that Martin Maldonado is one of the worst defensive catchers in all yeah. of baseball. So that's why Maldonado is the problem. And don't hate us just because we don't agree with your opinion. If we're discussing sports and, and you want to, in, instead of going taking that angle and that approach to come at us with the homer hat, why don't you come with the approach of why you think Maldi should stay if indeed that's the way you feel because we basically highlighted for you the reasons why and all the things that used to be an arguing point for why Maldi should still be in there have diminished greatly in terms of the defense, in terms of throwing runners out. Yeah, you sure there's that thing that's immeasurable in terms of his prep and what he does to get a pitcher ready and then kind of psychologically take them through their their appearances. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of ground left to stand on when you got, got a guy that's basically weighing more than he hits and 200 is that absolute rock bottom for a major league hitter before you're really scrutinized, and he's well below that. And, and, and here's my thing with Maldonado, too, is that it's you – know, the answer is also Bregman. Like, Bregman needs to be better in the second half. He needs to be above average. Christian Javier needs to be good. But you can't replace Alex Bregman. You can't replace Jose Abreu. You can't replace Kyle Tucker if he's in a slump. You can replace Martin Maldonado. Yeah. Like, he's the only guy that you have a viable option, a option. that is better than he is. So like that's why he's the guy to be replaced because that's your upgrade. Like, that's where the process starts. It starts at the deadline, and internally, it starts at catcher. Yanir Diaz is better for this Astros team. We went through all those numbers yesterday. There are certain guys he catches better for, certain guys he doesn't. But we, the one thing we know is he smashes baseballs. And Martin Maldonado, yeah, his last two games he has two home runs, but, like, what about the rest of the season? And he's raw, and he's not even what a polished hitter like he's going to be, which means with more at-bats becomes more experience, becomes more of an opportunity for him to polish that craft and get even better at it. And when you talk about it, Joe, to what you just said, the other thing is let's not talk about what we don't know, which is which, which trades are they going to make, who are they going to bring in. Yeah. If you're handling your house internally, you have a built-in option at catcher, and then you're going to get two guys like almost like making a trade that are going to give you a big boost when you get Jordan and Altuve back, no matter what else. So you have things, if you do things the right way, that work you in the right direction. We can agree that the offense is... is disappointed so far like it hasn't been bad it's above average but it's not what we expected it right. to be like we expect this offense to be a top 10 offense and I think it is a top 10 offense whenever Altuve and Jordan are playing every single day 
But with the regulars that you have, and, and somebody texted in what you said, Joe, that, you know, why why are we giving Bregman a pass? This show does not give Bregman no, we a do pass, not. period. We're probably the most critical of Alex Bregman of anybody else in this city, to be quite honest, especially at Salsa, which is awful. But there's only two positions that you can really upgrade on this team offensively. Like Joe said, one of them internally, Yiner Diaz replaces Martin Maldonado. That's an upgrade offensively behind the dish. And there's really only one other position that you can try to upgrade, and that's the left field DH right. spot. Whichever one Jordan uh, Alvarez is not playing, and some people don't like that idea because they like Corey Jokes a lot. I do too. Go Kooks. There's only two upgrades offensively for this team. It's catcher, it's left field DH. And the other thing that we talked about, and I, and I was talking about yesterday, is there's a difference between between being a guy like Corey Jolts who continues again like Diaz to get better with more at bats and more reps and more experience, but he's getting you through the 162. Is it a guy that you can put the same amount of trust and have the same amount of expectations for when he gets to his first playoffs? When he gets deeper into the playoffs, when you can feel the tension in the air and you know that everything's magnified. And if you don't feel 100% in that way or you don't feel more confident that that's going to happen, then as Dana Brown's job as general manager goes, his duty is to try and find you an upgrade. It doesn't have to be immediate for the regular season. But if they believe that they have to get better for that playoff run to accomplish the things that all U.S. fans want them to do and what he expects them to do, he's probably going to have to go out and find somebody to fill a role in that position. Seven five five four. have you noticed that since Dusty started having Maldi catch Hunter Brown, the, he hasn't pitched very well? Yeah, we have. We, we did the numbers yesterday. The starting pitchers with y- Yiner as the catcher, with Maldonado. We did every pitcher, but here are the starters. Hunter Brown with Yiner catching six times, 262 ERA. He's pitched to Maldonado 11 times, 498 ERA. Christian Javier's only pitched to Yiner once, so it is better. 180 ERA in that one game, 471 ERA, 15 games for Maldi, but he's only pitched once to Yiner. You can pretty much throw that one out. Framber Valdez has only pitched to Martin Maldonado. Has not thrown a single pitch to Yiner Diaz, so you can't mention that one. And then J.P. France is almost identical between Maldonado and Diaz. Maldi, 323 ERA in six games, 329 ERA with Diaz in five games. Now, the back end of the bullpen, with the exception of Presley, they seem to like Martin Maldonado. So, like, if you want to go with the defensive sub late in the game, Martin Maldonado catches the eighth and ninth inning after you have, like, a lead. Like, that's something that I would understand more than what you're currently doing. But when you have the 13th offense in baseball and you've been struggling and you're trying to upgrade the offense, there's one internal option that is a slam dunk that would improve the offense like that, and you don't even have to make a trade. And here's the thing. The other thing that, in Dusty's case, he's always been willing to get younger guys at bats and starts in the regular season. And, and the only difference from this year to all the others previous that Dusty's been the manager is you're not in a position of strength like you've been in the past with a 10-game lead, winning, leading the division, knowing that you're running away with it. But at the same time, you also feel like because of the injuries in the first half that you're going to get better no matter what. You're going to have opportunities to improve everything that you've just said in terms of stats and where this team lies offensively and defensively as opposed to the rest of the league. But as part of that, are you willing and confident enough to say, I'm still going to do the things that I've always done, just like we say, trust Papua's gut, and they're, they're, he's going to give the guys the days off. Are you going to also go with the guy that seems to be the, the right choice to get this thing moving in the right direction and give Yiner more at-bats and more starts, just knowing that, hey, 
you can't keep doing the way you did it in the past because you're not in the same position, but you could do it better if this guy turns out to be the real deal. One five four nine. also with Yiner starting, you can have Chaz batting ninth, which extends the lineup. That's the other thing. You have better lineup feng shui, right? You don't have a black hole in the nine hole that, that rarely gets on base. You can go Chaz there. You can go Jeremy Pena there. Because uh, someone texting in and Ocho saying in the Twitch, too, well, what about Jeremy Pena? Why can't you upgrade on Jeremy Pena? Quite honestly, Jeremy Pena has been in the regular season this year almost identical to what he was last year. Regular season last year, Pena, regular season and this year, Payne is almost the same player. But I set this up at the start of the year, and I said, people, don't get caught in this big, big rabbit hole where you expect Jeremy Payne to be League Championship Series and World, Cha- World Series Cha- uh, MVP. It's a different story. And what he did last year is what you should set your expectations at. If he can do that and build on it a little bit, that's where you should be as a fan base because that's honestly who he is as a player. He just played out of his mind in the playoffs. But, of course... The, the orange Kool-Aid started being you know, distributed at a high rate, and people were consuming it, and suddenly Jeremy Pena has to be the guy that he was in the playoffs, and it's unrealistic. Also, like, how are you going to upgrade at shortstop? Like, like what are you going to – Well, Ocho would tell you Dubon. Yeah, of course he would. Yeah, I guess. Like, but, like, he's not he, – is he that guy, like, all season long? I, I mean, offensively, their OPS is almost identical like between re- Dubon I've and – I've expected Dubon to fall off, and, and to he, his credit, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. But also, like, the thing with Dubon is, like, he, I feel like his strength is going to be coming off the bench and or playing three or four positions a week, giving Altuve a night off, Bregman, Pena. Like, he can play left and center. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. So, like, I just think that's too much to take away from that guy because you're just going to have to replace that bench player. Right, yeah. like so, like what's the point? And like, and how are you going to upgrade at shortstop? Like, who are you going to acquire See, that like upgrades at shortstop over Jeremy? On Payne? the market, there's no one. No, there's not. And the other thing to Jeremy's point is, is that Dubon plays a really, really good second base. But asking Dubon to do the kind of things that Pena does defensively at shortstop is just not fair to him yeah. because. As much as people say he's not Correa, he's a damn good defensive shortstop that does a lot of great things for you that Dubon should not be expected to be able to do, and that's what makes that difficult. I think Dubon would be a good defensive shortstop, but not to Pena's right. level. I, I think Pena's better defensively than Dubon. Dubon, he's, I think, is a really good defender everywhere on the infield, though. Yeah, Dubon's not going to hurt you defensively. He's just not going to give you those helpers that a lot of pitchers love to get where he goes deep in the hole or does that jump throw from behind third base that somehow finds a way to get there and get guys out. That's just why Jeremy Pena should be considered above average, if not elite, as a defensive shortstop. And, like, if you want to have the Jeremy Pena conversation, like, let's have it. When was he at his best? When were the Astros at their best? In front of Jordan. When he batted second in front of Jordan. Yep. So, like, if you want to talk about what is the optimal way to use Jeremy Pena, when did he have his most success, we'll put him back in the two-hole. Like, Altuve, Pena, Alvarez. It's like, if you think that, like, he's underperforming, but when he was at his best last year was when he was batting second, then try it again. You talk about feng shui, but that's the other difference, like feng shui. Some guys, as just a psychological advantage, feel like they're in a comfort zone when they're in certain places. And when he's in the two-hole, he is an entirely different hitter yeah. than he is almost anywhere else in the lineup. I think it's in front of Jordan more than it is the two-hole. I think to, it's, to be but fair. I think it's a combination. I think him he mentally, he, he likes it. it. Yeah. He, he said that. Now, I think it's simply he gets more fastballs than breaking balls. Yeah. I think, it, I think he, like, to simplify it, I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, 4187, didn't they try to replace uh, Maldi last year and he was still the catcher? The difference was, yes, they did try to do that. You're right. Vasquez never forced his way into the lineup. He never hit his way into the lineup. His numbers with the Astros were not good. He never forced Dusty's hand. 
Yiner right now is forcing Dusty's hand, in my opinion. Well, you're right. I mean, look, we, we talked about when we interviewed Michael Bourne the one, the one week when he was talking about the difficulties of coming to a new team, especially in the middle of a season, and the adjustments. And I just don't think that you ever saw those adjustments take place to the level that you needed them when you got Vasquez. So, yeah, I was expecting him to actually take over from Aldi. I think a lot of people were. But if he doesn't do it and put up the numbers and get the results that you were expecting when you got him, you have to actually take a step back and say – I understand that now because of what they said, he was an insurance policy, that that's what you have, and he can be a, a part of this thing, but he's not going to have the, 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 the role that I thought he was going to have, partly because of his own inability to do what you expected him to do when you acquired him. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Hiller B's live from the Kima Boardwalk. Come find us like you would find Waldo. Uh, do you believe Houston sports are in a position to repeat what it was like from 17 to 19 at some point over the next five years. It could be the Astros. They continue their golden era. It could be the Texans going on their own deep stool blue era. Or it could be the Rockets, maybe. Western Conference oh, yeah. Finals, something like that. Are the Rockets in, are the Houston sports in general in position to repeat what it was like from 17 to 19 in the city of Houston where everybody was winning? Well, kind of kind of the Texans. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The summer circuit continues from the pizza oven on the Kima Boardwalk with the Killer Bees. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Come hang out with us. Great spot. You want to leave work early, we know that. On the water here at the Kima Boardwalk. Games, Pretty. adventures, dining, drinks, fantastic. Good spot to spend your Friday evening, night. Can't make it. Well, how about tomorrow? How about Sunday? How about this summer? Get out here to Kima Boardwalk. Do yourself a favor before the kiddies go back to, uh, to school. Where are the kids going back to school now? August, September? Uh, August, either the 9th or the 13th, Depends maybe? on the district and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think it's 3rd, 9th, or... We're talking August? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. early. Oh, yeah, Fort Bend's going back early. That's ridiculous. Yep. So you're running out of time. You're running out of time for your summer. Tim Kirchin will be joining us at 145. Good time to talk to him. Uh, some rumors out there. If, look, we have Shohei fatigue, but there's some rumors that the Angels might kick around the idea. They might even they might think about thinking about trading Shohei Otani. Uh, we'll do who said it at 115 too to move that up a little bit uh, to get Tim Kirchin here on time because we always go over in that segment. Uh, do you believe Houston sports blankers mm-hmm. are in position to repeat what it was like in the city of Houston from 17 to 19 at some point over the next five years? Between 17 and 19 in Houston, your three major pro sport teams, the Astros, two World Series appearances, one win, 17 through 19. The Texans during that span, they were winning some games. They got to the playoffs. They won one playoff game, and we saw the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. Do we think over the next five years that we could replicate that type of success across the Houston sports landscape? I think it's possible. I I think that the least of my concern is the Astros. I believe they're in, in place uh, everything's in place for them to be in a situation where they can keep this golden era going, and maybe the, they have some interchangeable parts, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be an Astros team that's going to make the playoffs and make some waves and, and, and hopefully do more than that. The Rockets and the Texans are a different story to me because I think the Rockets can get to a point in the next five years where they can make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're ready to get to a Western Conference Finals yet with the guys yeah. that are still young enough in the league playing at a high level on other teams above them. Are the Texans capable of winning a playoff game and getting to the playoffs and getting some sustained winning in the next five years? I believe so. This is incredibly lofty. Like, if we're being completely honest, over it the is. next five years, the Astros go back 
to two World Series, that's going to be difficult. To win one World Series over the next five years, that's going to be difficult. The Texans, I like the trajectory of the Texans. It's hard to envision currently right now today the Texans in the playoffs. Like, with the crowded landscape in the AFC, how, and now the, the easiest pass, you win the division because the division's kind of soft. Right. It depends on what Jacksonville does. Does Jacksonville, does Jacksonville make the jump to be in the AFC elite with, like, Cincinnati? With like, I don't want to say Kansas City because Kansas City is like the elite of the elite. The the Buffaloes, the you know the Chargers went to the playoffs last year. Is Jacksonville going to be a team that's in that we can count on being in the playoffs year in year out, or are they going to fall back down say, to the mediocrity they, of the AFC South? The flip side is, are they going to suffer a sophomore slump, and then you start saying, "Hey, look, the door's still there, there's a, there's a crack open. There's a, still an opportunity for you to start moving back into that mix and getting back in with a Jaguars team that we don't really know and they don't really know who they really are." Because even in the playoffs, they looked abysmal in the first half of that yes, game and then came back and found a way to win in the second half. So you don't know who they are while you're still trying to figure out who you are and who you're going to be. But you're right. The best scenario for them is the division's wide open for the next couple of years until we know who Jacksonville is. Because I think Tennessee's coming down. Yeah. I don't think the Colts – the Colts are in a similar situation to the, the Texans. Maybe they have a more established roster right now, but it's older. And how long can they sustain those guys while they're trying to get their rookie quarterback – Richardson in the mix so uh, you know I think they're in a really good spot right now to try and make more waves than we would have expected simply because the division is so wide open but I still think that this roster is a couple years away from being a a playoff caliber roster that can play for a wild card or more but when you say five years that should be realistic on their plan period of time like things change a lot in five years I mean five years ago we're 2018 is pre pre-sign stealing scandal like I mean that's, that's a long time in sports five years is an eternity uh in sports the hang-up that I have with like the landscape of the AFC South probably compared to most people in the city is is I think that the Jags are closer to being a perennial playoff team year in year out than they are of being mediocrity in the AFC South I like Jacksonville's build I think the Jags aren't going anywhere I think the Jags are gonna be the class of the AFC South for like the next three years uh, so that's that's the hang-up that I have is it is it realistic to say that, and accurate to say, this is all on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders because you've got sure. the right coach, you've got a, the right offense, you have the right weapons, you've loaded up and done enough spending on, in free agency to, to kind of fortify the rest of your roster with veterans. Everything is right there. It's like it, it's a tale of their playoff game a year ago. If you get Trevor Lawrence in the first half of that game, yeah. you're going nowhere. If you get Trevor Lawrence that was playing lights out in the second half of that game, that team is capable of being exactly who you just described. I think you can say that about every team in the NFL, though. Like, it, if, if they have a quarterback, they're going to be competitive. That's why the Texans were so aggressive at attacking quarterback in the draft. Because if you have a quarterback in the NFL, you have hope. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you pray that you're, you're right. the San Francisco 49ers and that you can win regardless of your quarterback. Being, and that's the only case in the NFL that's like that. Being the perennial, you know, top of the mountain team in a division, Yeah, it though, depends on Trevor. You're it, right. It, it, it starts with him. But then it's also, you can be a really good, like you were talking about, a really good veteran season quarterback, but the problem is you don't have a number one receiver. You don't have a running game. You some, there's a deficiency somewhere else. They seem to have, between ETN and getting Ridley and doing all the things that they've been, you know, they've been doing around him, yeah. they have enough 
everywhere else. It's kind of funny, though, because they were criticized with how they got them, right? Like, everybody was crushing Overspend them for Christian Kirk. Agency, and it's yep. like, hey, getting Christian Kirk, was it expensive? Yes. Was it wise? Yeah, it was wise. And then the creative, how they traded for Calvin Ridley. We haven't seen Calvin Ridley with Jacksonville's offense. I Jacksonville's think offense was good, and they added Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I think he's, like, one of the biggest questions. He's almost like Deshaun. He hasn't played in, like, two years. Yeah, I think it's easier to be a receiver and not oh, play totally. yeah, than it is a Completely. quarterback, though. And then my other question for Jacksonville would be, like, now that they're going to be more likely in the 20s for the most part in draft position, they have a lot of guys they're going to have to pay. Like, you're likely going to have to pay Josh Allen. You're going to have to pay Trevor Lawrence. You'll have to repay Calvin Ridley at some point here very quickly. Once that happens and they have limited cap space, how like what kind of free agents do they attract? Because it was easy before because it was like, yeah, we're terrible, but we're going to pay you. Overpay. We're going to pay you like Fred Van Vliet. Like, yeah. We're going to overpay you so you come play in Jacksonville. And Christian Kirk worked out. But Christian Kirk would have never signed in, in Jacksonville for what he would have got out anywhere else. And they were also in a position where they had money, right? Like, yeah. why did they overspend with Christian Kirk? Because they have a quarterback they, on a rookie contract and they have money to spend. When they start paying those players, they're not going to have money to spend. They're going to have to find, like, shrewd, frugal free agents. And they're also going to be an orphan for two years. They're going to be out without a stadium. Like, that matters to me. And like, frankly, that, that's like, something that, that, that I think makes you a lesser football team. And, and at the end of the day, like, their GM – Byron Leftwich went into the offices of the owner and said, I will be your head coach if you fire Trent Baalke. Yeah. Trent Baalke is the same guy that fired three head coaches in San Francisco yeah. in three years. Like, just because he has a franchise quarterback doesn't mean he's a good GM. But he signed Doug Peterson. Like, he did that, sign this, I know. This, it, this story I would agree. have a lot more weight for me if he signed some coach that wasn't very – if he signed Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. But that he got Doug Peterson, it's like, okay, well, you got Doug Peterson. But, but isn't it, it also that you could say he righted his own wrong? Sure. Because he got Urban first, and Urban was an utter disaster, but he was able to right the ship by kind of quickly switching gears. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's kind of interesting, though, like, for a GM that we think is so, like, dictatory, he hired Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson. Like, I know. Those are two guys you wouldn't hire if you want total control. You know who you hire if you want total control? David Cully and Lovey That's Smith. Exactly right. Yeah, and, like, I, I just. I, the only thing about Jacksonville is that no matter how good Trevor Lawrence is, I just won't, I don't think I'll ever view them as the Chiefs. So like, like even True. if I, like if I'm the Chargers, I have Justin Herbert, and like this division seems unobtainable if I play in the AFC West. Oh, no doubt, because Mahomes is there. Just because Trevor Lawrence is in this division, like you can get that division. That's right. So like that's where I think the Texans in the next three four years will be back to where they were when they lost that playoff game to the Chiefs. They won a wild card game. They lost. And like I guess like a lot I, of it depends on Stroud though. Like if we're being completely honest, well I think all of it does. All of it, just like you said, just in a different, in a different way. Everything depends on C.J. Stroud the way it depends on Trevor Lawrence. Now Trevor Lawrence, it, the expectations are you need to take this to that level, and, and you've already done that a little bit. Yeah. Now you got to do it every day. He's chasing upper echelon. C.J. Stroud has to show us that he's capable of getting there and making plays, even if it's not all the time every play. That that make you believe he can do that for a three to five. And he year has window. to be like, and he has to be like a really good because it's a bad time to be a team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, like the list just keeps. We, we talked about that elite quarterback going into Rogers. this draft. We said you're at a very a huge disadvantage in the fact that you can't just look to get your franchise quarterback and compete when you know that you're competing with probably eight of the top ten quarterbacks in the league in your conference. Like, there's four quarterbacks taken in the first and second round this year. Three of them go in the AFC South. Like, But what happens if it AFC – like, we could wake up next year and the Arizona Cardinals don't get the first pick and it's some other team from the AFC and, well, hello, Caleb Williams. Yep. Welcome to the conference. Like, the AFC has elite quarterbacks and they're replenishing 
Like, it, like just keep getting better. Yeah, so like, it's ridiculous. It's like the hardest time ever to come out of the AFC, not just because Patrick Mahomes is there, because everyone else. Like, it's not, it's not what it was when it was Manning and Brady, because it was Manning and Brady and who? Now it's it's Mahomes and Bur- I, tenth yeah. kid. Uh, seven. How about that, dude? Ten kids. <laughs> one what more, are you he's doing got a squad. With, I mean, one more, he's got a squad. I thought he was retiring. Well, not from that. Apparently. Not off the field. <laughs> There's more time for the off. Yeah. yeah, but like, you really want ten kids? No, you don't. I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, hey! His offense is elite. He's still scoring. He's just not doing it with a uniform on. My wife wants three, and I'm like, are we sure we can't do two? Eleven's. I mean, ten is absurd. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I mean, he's good thing he's been paid. He's been paid in his life. Do you believe that Houston sports are in a position to replicate what it was like from seventeen through nineteen? I think it's a great time. Look, I don't think that the Houston sports are going to replicate that. I think it's a really big bar. But it's a great time to be alive as a Houston sports fan. Where does it stack up across the board with other major cities in the U.S.? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now I'll tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. I was just there before I headed down to Kima. I I saw all the great people there. I I love the way that they take care of everybody with a smiling face that walks through their doors. Men and women are going there on a daily basis. They're getting all the different ways that they can get into hormone therapy and they can get more energy on a daily basis. Other people are trying to figure out their workouts and trying to get on a, on a workout program, recover quicker, get the right uh, supplements that they need. Apollo Men's Health can help you with all that and so much more. You want to lose up to six pounds in a week? Check out FDA-approved semi-glutide. They got it there. You get it for you. You lose weight. You feel better on a daily basis. That's what they're all about, making you feel better on a daily basis. Check out their website, ApolloMH.com. Go and see all the services they offer. If there's a few that you think could probably help you, sign up for an appointment. When you do, you'll find out most major insurance is accepted, discounts for military personnel and first responders, and then take it a step further. Go in and be honest with them. Answer their questions. Tell them what you're trying to achieve. They'll get you on a program that works. They'll get you to the goals that you set because they care about their patients. Check them out. Tell them I sent you by a free B12 shot or a body composition analysis on your first official visit. But check them out. You'll be glad you did because they're going to make a difference. It's the good people at Apollo Menzo. Oh, no. The bees have left the hive, and their listeners are swarming around the pizza oven on the Kima Boardwalk. Wait, that means one of them's a queen bee. Nope, not picturing that one. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel and Jeremy. I didn't hear what Spence had to say, but I imagine it was not kind. Well, I heard BMAC chuckle, which meant it probably was. Spence has got it coming, though. Is he still doing Texans preseason? When he tells you that it's... Is he still doing Texas preseason? I think so, yeah. All this stuff we get from Spence, it's coming back. Oh, yeah. It's coming back at him. Yep. Just letting you know, Spence, you're throwing shots. Just remember, your time's coming. Your time's coming. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, what do you think, Joe? What do you think to the answer to this question? <laughs> <laughs> do you believe Houston sports, which is your question, Joe has the biggest bite of pizza in his mouth right, right now as Jeremy throws it at him, and he's sitting right in front of I him. Would like to, I would like to make it known that it was simultaneous, that I, I didn't throw him under the bus. It was simultaneous. But Joe was the one who had this question. Do you believe Houston sports? That was like maybe the best time, you know, worst timing of all time. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I do. I, I think, and honestly, I, I think the Texans starting there, I think they can get back to the playoffs and win a playoff game in the next five years. I actually – to me, that's such a failure. Things happen so fast in football and in, in sports. In now, sports, the Rockets is interesting because there's this tweet that was going around yesterday that over the last four years, 
it showed how many players were left on each team. Yeah. The Rockets have nobody that was on their team four years ago. The Grizzlies, one of the, like we talked about them yesterday, the only player on their team four years ago is Jaron Jackson. Like, the, the Celtics, it was three players. It was Tatum, um, Brown, and someone else. So it's like, who are the Rockets in four years? Fred Van Fleet's not here. Well, if you're a Celtic, Brooks you're, probably isn't here. It's easier in that Celtic scenario if you if two of your three players left over are Tatum and Brown, yeah, right? As opposed to wondering if anyone on your roster could be Tatum, Brown, or Jaron Jackson. Like the well, thing with the Rockets scenario is, is that that's that's Jalen Jabari and Shingun. Like that's your core. Well, I, I think it's like I look at it like they have to go two for five, and I know like some people might say that's a failure, but if the Rockets hit on two out of five of these these young star players, they're going to spot like between a men. You have Shangoon, you have Jabbar, you have Jalen. I guess it's only four guys. I was wondering uh, if you were going to throw in Whitmore. It's, oh, Whitmore. But, it, but, yeah. it's, but it's interesting to throw in a 20th w- pick of the draft when the Rockets not. just traded three first-rounders who were twenty in the 20s. But, like, he was projected by some people as the – like, there top was one guy, pick. top five pick. He had, the thir- he had him above Thompson as the third player in the but draft. But do we do that with Will Levis? Will Levis was 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 the betting favorite to be a top no, ten quarterback in the NFL. But, went to the second round and his career is over. But Levis didn't fall because of injury, and it seems like that Cam did. And so, like I would say, between those five guys, if two of those guys are stars, then you are an NBA championship level team. Yeah. So uh, to me, I don't really care who it is. I like, think I know the, some people will be upset if it's not Jalen Green, but if it's a men and if it's Jabari and they're the two best players. You have a championship-level team, especially with the well, new way curtains or whatever they're calling them, aprons. What? The new aprons, the luxury tax aprons. Oh. That's like the official verbiage is like it's if you spend too much money, the luxury tax there's, goes up. There's aprons in baseball and there's aprons in golf. Yeah, that's that little higher grass right around the green. Yeah. But like if the Rockets, if two of their five guys hit, they can be back in the Western Conference Finals, I think, within the next five years. I think one. And I thing, think the Astros can go back to a World Series or two in the next five years. I, the Astros getting like doing their part might be the most difficult because, I agreed. like, part of the Rockets, like, if we're saying they're going to be in the Western Conference Finals in five years, I think one thing that works in their favor is that a lot of the teams that are really good right now, like, not that their window's closing like well, next like year, the Warriors, right? right they're going to start to decline. Older. Like, is Jokic going to do this in five years? I doubt it. So, like. I think that their chance, whenever their plight is on the upward trajectory, that a lot of the teams that are above them are going to be coming back down. So that's something that works to their favor. The Texans, one playoff win in five years, like things change so much in the, in the NFL. If you're not winning a playoff game once every five years, that is a major problem for the Houston Texans. And a lot of heads will roll, including D'Amico Ryans probably. Two World Series appearances and one win, that's very hard. That is very difficult. And some people would say that the Astros are approaching – the window, right? That they're approaching the back end of this golden era window. I think when I when I put this in the, when I put this question, I, I had a hard time with where what I wanted to start the timeline as, because part of what I was thinking was that if you start that seventeen to nineteen run, and because it gets stopped because of COVID, that's what sucks the most about it. So like if you start at seventeen with the Astros winning the World Series, that's when you have your rookie quarterback. So like if you start this timeline in theory with the two thousand twenty two World Series. Like, getting back to the World Series in the next three or four years. So it already started. So, like, if you already started it, in theory, that's where this is. I think it's really. So it's 22 through like 24, like 24, 25. Because like, you, oh, I see what you're saying. Theoretically, if you win one more, you've, you've basically not only done your job, yeah. but you've become elite, like, in baseball. Not just in Houston, but in baseball. When you start ta- Now you can start throwing the D word around, and now you can start talking about this dynasty that has been Astros baseball since 17. And you can you take it to a whole new level, but you're right, Jeremy. The one thing though that I think 
gives everybody the hope that it's sustainable is you found your next core four. Like when we started this run with the core four, it was Bregman, it was Altuve, it was Correa, and it was Springer. Now you're looking at it and you're going, well, there's signs that it could be Pena and Bregman's still around and Altuve's still around, but now you got Jordan and now you got Tucker for a few more years and now you're, fi- you're trying to figure out if there's another key guy that's either could be Abreu or could be someone younger again that's going to come on the scene or you're going to trade for. Yeah. And Fromber's in that mix too. So you look at it and say, okay, it is possible for a lot of people to have the high hopes they have because there is a new era of sure. this golden era coming Whereas we're still trying to figure out what the Rockets are and who they have. And, and then from the Texas standpoint, they seem to have a couple of those core guys now. But how good can they be? Yeah, I would say that the Astros' window extends through Jordan Alvarez's contract, mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you. Because I think Jordan Alvarez is that good. Now, he's injury prone. Well, not only that, but the but contract's he, yep. so affordable. You can spend money that you would have spent on him yep. making the rest of the team better. It doesn't bankrupt you. That's right. It doesn't bankrupt you. Six four three four. would you trade the Astros' success? For Texans and Rockets' success moving forward, meaning the Astros are back to 100 lost seasons. Nope. Nope. I think that as much as the, everybody no. says this is a football town. No chance. No. And everybody <laughs> says that, you know, that football is king in, in Texas. The Astros have taken over, and people love the Astros, and they love this kind of F you to the rest of the world. We are who we are, and we don't have any, you know, bones about it. We're going to be who we are, and they love being on this run. I don't think people are trading that for anything. Yeah. 713-780-3776 if you want to answer that question. What do you think is the most difficult of these three? For a three-year window that happens over the next five years, what is more difficult? Two World Series appearances. If the window started last year, then the Astros just have to get back to one World Series. Mm -hmm. The Texans winning one playoff game, Rockets in Western Conference Finals. What do you think is the the most daunting of the three? Texans. I think the daunting is the, the Rockets. Because I don't know what they have, and I don't know what they can be, and I know. That's crazy, though, that we're just like, oh, yeah, the World Series is a no-brainer. No, I, like, <laughs> I, I think in the next three years, I think they're going to done that, that man. Kind of what you said, too. <laughs> they just have so many key pieces already in place that it's not going to take a whole lot for them to get to another and or win another World Series. Whereas the other two teams, we're sitting there saying, hey, look, I know it's easier now in the NFL to get to the playoffs. But you've got to win a game, and you've got to have the roster to do it. And though they've, they've continually upgraded that or tried to, we don't know enough about who they have to say they can do that. Just like the Rockets, the West, as much as they might overall have some teams that are going to be declining, Denver has locked up a majority of their pieces. They're not going anywhere. People aren't even talking about what the next era could be with Oklahoma City, but they know that they're not missing on draft picks. They've got, they're going to control a third of the draft for the next three years, and, and the guys that they brought in, are good. But maybe that's who they play in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe. Because you don't have to be better than everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't like Victor that much, but so it kind of depends. I think I'm with you guys, and I think it's probably those two. Like, I think the, I think the conversations, Texans, Rockets, when you're talking about the most daunting of these, because to Joe's timeline, last year counts. Mm. So it's getting to one more World Series this year or next year, three-year window. Astros right now have a very good chance of getting back to the World Series. So... That would that would be a check mark for the Astros. Texans playoff win. The hardest part about that is just who's in front of you. But one playoff win versus winning multiple rounds in the NBA. It's true. It's true. I just do you I guys just, think I, that I think that the I think it's the most daunting task for the Rockets for that very reason. The the the, 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 the biggest wild card here is CJ Stroud. Because if I told you right now CJ Stroud's going to be a bust, then the answer is Texans one playoff win. If I told you C.J. Stroud's going to be a top-ten quarterback, the answer is Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. The problem I have is, is that that scenario is a lot less cloudy and murky 
if you still have your pick. But you don't. Right. You don't. <laughs> I know. That's the killer. I think because, the other- because now you're looking at, and again, you say, well, it's dumb luck, and it's just the way the Texans have gone. But next year you could have three, three franchise-caliber quarterbacks that are just sitting there and a franchise-caliber wide receiver. The other reason yeah. why I think I, I would lean that it's not the Rockets as the biggest challenge is just because history tells us in the NBA that, like, any team you might be scared of is likely going to lose their best player. Like anyone, does anyone really think Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to stay in Oklahoma City? It's true. Like he's going to. There's no way that. But he can get the most there. money for at least a, a, a several more years before like, he goes and tests. And and there's a 50-50 shot he lands in a Western Conference team though. True, I know. But most of the time, these teams are sending guys away to the other conference. I mean, look at look at Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is trying to force a trade. He hasn't even played on his extension yet. But but Joe, here's the other point of that that it kind of goes deeper, which is. Yeah, they might lose Shade Gilgis Alexander, but you know what they're not doing? They're not missing on picks in the teens and picks in the twenties. And it seems like every single guy they get at the very worst case scenario can be a rotational player or more. Whereas the Rockets just dumped out on three of their first round picks. Kid, there's a eight two four zero. The kid in the back needs to shut up. Kid, pipe down back there. Pipe down. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. All right, it's a great time to be alive as a Houston sports fan. Is it the best, though? Is it the best market to be a sports fan in the country right now? It's Killer Reese on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.